Welcome to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg, a podcast where we talk all things taboo from self-care to sex work. Get ready to be comfortable with all things uncomfortable. Now let's get Melfi. Hi guys, welcome back to Getting Melfi. I'm your host Marg. And Meg. Um, I hope your week was good and weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why. We've I had a good week. I had a great week. It was a reading week, so oh, and Meg did some reading, <laughs> lots of reading actually. Actually, she did lots of reading because today we are interviewing an author. Woo! Um, her name is Gabrielle Stone. She is the author of Eat, Pray. Hashtag FML. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Gabrielle. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, okay, so tell us, <laughs> tell us about yourself. Who are you? What are you? What do you do? <laughs> what are you? Um, so I am an actress. I am born and raised in LA, and I've grown up here my whole life. I've been in the industry for years now, acting and directing. And in 2017, mm-hmm. I had a hit in my personal life that kind of jolted me into a new phase and I wrote a book about it and it's kind of like switched my career path a little bit, um, although I'm still acting and such, um, to being an author, which I never thought I would say. So was this your first book? This was, yeah, and it it like kind of happened to me. Uh, I don't think if I if I would have gone through all the stuff that I went through, I don't think it would have it would have happened in the way that it did. Um, so it it really was meant to be with the amount of circumstances that led to writing it. So yeah. why like did did you kind of pursue writing a book? Did someone tell you you should write a book? Like, why did you want to write a book about your story? No, I think that when I was dealing with everything, it was just one thing after another. And at one point I started laughing at myself and was like, this is so insane. I have to write about it and share this story (laughs) with like the women in the world that are probably going through the same thing I am. Um, so to give everyone a little bit of like a backstory, I was married for almost two years, found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, filed for divorce, left shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other, had a whirlwind romance. And he convinced me to go on a month long trip to Italy with him. 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself, and I was absolutely devastated. But I had a decision to make, and that was either stay at home heartbroken or get on a plane and go to Europe and travel for a month by myself. So I went and did six countries over the month with nothing but a backpack and wrote a book about it all. Girl power. I love that. (laughs) I mean, it's so why did you name your sorry? Go ahead. Go ahead. It it literally, (laughs) no, you go. My my girlfriends would call me and be like, So we just wanted to know what's going on, like this episode's Netflix show that is your life, Gabrielle. Because it was literally one thing after another, and it it got to the point where I just kind of threw my arms up and was like, Well here we go. This is going to be some like monumental stuff in my life. So let's, let's write about it. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you choose the title Eat, Pray, FML? 
Um, well, first of all, can I curse on here? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I always ask. Um, but so like, obviously, FML stands for fuck my life. And it was just, it actually, the title came when the guy that broke up with me before Europe, um, after we had this long conversation and kind of decided that we were each going to take the trip on our own. He asked me when he dropped me off at my house, he was like, how are you feeling, Gabs? And I was like, like, I'm about to go on a journey of eat, pray, fuck my life. And that's the title. <laughs> um, and I... I knew, I knew right then that I was going to write a book. Um, I, I went out and bought a leather-bound journal and took it with me on my trip. I started the book the first day I was in London and wrote three-fourths of it in that journal on my trip while I was traveling. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That's what I, like, I keep forgetting when I was reading the book. I was like, I felt like I was reading just like a story like I kept forgetting that this was someone's real life <laughs> that's the thing I felt like it was like an episode of Gossip Girl or something yeah. it was just like <laughs> which is like literally a bad so... thing all at the same time <laughs> yeah it was so like crazy so when you wrote the book did you like also are though so are the names people's real names or did you change them no no yeah so I I changed everybody's names in the book because obviously um Javier, who's the guy that broke up with me before you, he's um, a fairly well-known actor. Um, and uh, and just for like the privacy of everybody, you know, the people that I met on this trip, uh, most of them I talked to about it openly and told them, you know, that I was writing a book. I'm still in touch with a lot of those people that I met. Um, but, you know, nobody, nobody asked to have their lives publicly aired out so for the the protection and just like courtesy to everybody involved I I changed everyone's names although my ex-husband um the name I gave I don't even know if I've ever said this on an interview actually but um the name I gave him in the book was the name he booked all of his hotels and like his second phone under so it was kind of like a funny job at that (laughs) That is funny. <laughs> well, he was an asshole, so he deserves it. Yeah, well, you know. Um, did you take, like, did you, did you take any, was there anything that you, like, had taken out of the book or, like, anything you added to make it more interesting? <laughs> nothing was added. I Or was this literally all real? Yeah, no, nothing was added. Um, unfortunately, my life doesn't need any extra drama. Uh, I, I didn't want to fabricate or um, make anything up. I wanted to keep it very, very true as to how it went. Um, But there were only a couple things were left out. And those were in the divorce chapters regarding my ex-husband because legally I was trying to be very careful about what I put in and what I didn't put in. Um, So the only things that were taken out were other pieces of evidence I found that didn't move the story along and would just kind of make him look even worse. Um, that I, I didn't, I was towing the line, if you will. Um, but everything else is, um, there and real. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So your ex-husband, oh my God. (laughs) Does, Does he know you wrote a book about him? I mean, he'd kind of have to be living under a rock to not know with like the amount of people <laughs> that we both know that I know have read it. Um, 
and I know he I've I've caught him, you know, looking at my social media and stuff in the past. So I know that he knows I wrote a book. Um I it would shock me if he had not been curious enough to read it. Um but I have not heard from him and I'm hoping I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is like, um, I can't remember if you mentioned this in the book, but what was the timeline from like, um, I know you got divorced, you met, um, Javier. Javier. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Javier. Okay. So you met him and then you went to Europe and then what was like, so when did you go to Europe versus when did you release the book? Like, was this like really recently? Was this like a few years ago? Um, so the whole thing that you read in the book, like from the me finding out about the cheating to falling in love with Javier, to breaking up, to going to Europe and coming home, all of that happened within the span of three and a half months. So it was like insanely fast back together. It was ridiculous. Um, And that was in 2017. Uh, I wrote I finished the book when I came home and the book was done that December, 2017. So I wrote the whole thing very quick. Um, and then the next year, 2018 was spent, you know, like shopping it to different publishers and figuring out where we wanted to take it, um, doing like a whole edit process on it. And then it was published in, uh, June of 2019. So it was published like a year and a half later, but a year of that was just like kind of waiting around seeing where we were going to take it, which was insanely frustrating for someone who just like wants to get their stuff, like their art out. <laughs> um, so it was, it was, a long, yeah. it was a longer process because of that. If it would have just been like, you know, write it and get it out, it would have gone a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm kind of wondering, you went through a lot of heartbreak in those three and a half months. Yes. <laughs> um, how do you, like, find yourself after heartbreak? Like, how do you cope with that? Cope with that, yeah. Well, I mean, the short answer is, like, get on a plane and go to Europe, but not everybody, you know, has the time to do that. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, it it's a long road. And you have to be patient with yourself. I by no means came home from that trip and was like, oh my God, I'm totally healed and fine. Um, that that relationship and that heartbreak took a long time for me to to work through and and get back to myself from. Um, but you know, it all starts with with really choosing to put yourself first and to practice, like actively practice self-love every day. Um, and that's not, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. That's like literally practicing um, what it means to love yourself, which I write about in the epilogue of the book, because I didn't figure that shit out until way later. Um, but it, it really, I think is, that's what I attribute my healing to is learning that and practicing that and giving it to myself every day so that it, uh, it's, it's putting yourself first, you know, but heartbreak is a messy, messy thing. Um, so I think everybody handles it a little differently. Um, but my my advice to people is always just to keep your heart open and that everything's happening for a reason. I'm a walking example of that. So <laughs> everything happens for a reason. That's a, that's a good way to put it for sure. So do you have any examples of like self-love? Like what does self-love mean for you? Yeah, so my kind of tool, if you will, that I write about in the book is called the self-love cocktail. And it's literally 
you know, you sit down and you write out a list that you're capable of giving yourself. Um, and it's things that you can give yourself that you know make you happy, that your soul loves. So for me, that's usually meditating, going to the gym, eating healthy, dancing, creating, and you commit to giving yourself things on that list every single day. So at first it's, you know, maybe a stiffer cocktail, like a vodka martini, and you can only give yourself like dancing and going to the gym. And then once you start doing that consistently, you throw in a couple other ingredients and then it's like a fancy mixology margarita and you got like a splash of creating and a dash of healthy eating. Um, And before you know it, you're feeling so much better and it's because you're loving yourself. People always think that loving yourself is like standing in a mirror naked and like saying, I love you. I love you, body. And that's honestly kind of freaking crazy to me. Um, When you're in a relationship with someone and you want to show them that you love them, you give them things that you know make them happy and you do things that you know that they will love and feel loved. So when you're trying to figure out how to love yourself, why would you not do that in practicing self-love? So it's really just as simple as if you want to love yourself, you need to give yourself the things that you love. Um, and it, it's really when I finally got that, it's so simple. And when I finally had that click, I was like, Oh my God. Um, and it really, when you put it into practice can be life changing for you. I, I feel like even the way you worded that was like kind of life-changing for me. I feel like I've never looked at it in that sense. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> like in the sense, yeah, I think that's like, you're so right. Like when you love someone, like say you love your partner or whatever, you do X, Y, and Z for them. But mm-hmm. when we are on this journey to love ourselves, <laughs> yeah, we're just taught to go stand in the mirror and say, I love my body. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah, that wow, I mean, if you can do that, then like more power to you. But, you know, it's it's not like an active thing that can make you feel better. It's this unattainable feeling that we're reaching for. And it's like, that doesn't really, that doesn't really like do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's maybe, like, understanding, like, your love language, too, right? Like, um, if your love language is, say, words of affirmation, then maybe standing in a mirror saying I love my body is, like, what's going to get you through. But if your love language is, like, material objects, then go buy yourself some gifts. (laughs) Just have some makeup, a pair of pants, a sweater or something. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... We're going to change gears from the uh, self-love to maybe, like, can you stay friends with your ex, honestly? <laughs> like, Oh, God. <laughs> um, so I think it really, like, depends on the situation and depends on the people. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, like, buddy-buddy with any of my exes, um, but, like, my college exes, if we ever – you know, cross paths or see each other out, we're totally friendly. And like, I've hung out randomly with them before. Um, That's not saying that like, we keep in touch and we see each other all the time, because that's not the case either. Um, But for the bigger exes, like the ones that are like the monumental exes in your life. um, I don't know, I'm still trying to to figure that one out, to be honest. Um, As far as my ex-husband, I mean, I, I never really not 
no, like I'll just say that I never want or care to see him um, or have a relationship with him in the future. I don't wish anything bad on him. Um, but I, that's definitely not a relationship that I ever want to foster as a friendship. Um, with Javier, that's been like, you know, the saga of my life um, is if we can actually be friends or not. Um, and I think we're still trying to figure that out. Um, but it's definitely not as easy as everyone makes it seem. Um, you know, when I was younger, I always used to be like, yeah, I can totally be friends with my ex and I'll never date a guy that won't let me be friends with my ex. But it takes really special people in very secure circumstances to do that in a healthy way, I think is my short answer. That was very long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it totally depends on like the kind of relationship you had with that person too. Like if I feel if I was in a relationship with somebody who cheated on me with a 19 year old, I probably would not want to maintain a relationship (laughs) with them of any sort after that. Um, And as for, as for Javier, are you guys still in contact? Like you guys talk? So Javier Javier and I, um, you have to remember that this happened in 2017 and it's now been Mm -hmm. like a couple years And, you know, everybody always asks me, is there going to be a book too? And the answer to that is there is a book too in my head. I've written pieces of it. I know where it starts. I know what happens. I know where it ends. Um, If I ever release it, that's like another, you know, question, which I don't have an answer to. But, um, But like all of the, the twists and turns of the Javier saga is definitely part of that um we I guess like the easier short answer is um I think we'll always be in each other's lives in one way or another um and it kind of depends on the ebb and flow of our lives whether we're like in communication at the time or not (laughs) Sorry, I just sneezed. (laughs) Okay. Um, So with like Javier, like throughout the book, you were in a lot of contact with his family. And so I want to know like how important is it for you to love, like obviously you guys weren't together in Europe, but like how important is it to love your significant other's family? And how do you have any suggestions for getting around like tensions around their family? Was it weird to be in such close contact with his family, but not with him? Like, yeah, um, I have a lot to say on that topic, actually. Um, when I was with my ex-husband, <laughs> I, um, I would preach to my friends and my mother um, because his family without, you know, getting into it too much was batshit crazy. And, um, and I would preach to everybody like, you know, I'm not marrying his family. I'm marrying him and it's fine. And it's fine. Um, that's bullshit. (laughs) Never again will I date seriously someone whose family I don't like and get along with. Um, it's, it's just, it's so important to me, at least, um, especially if you're with someone and you're wanting that closeness and like, you know, you're thinking I'm going to have kids with this person someday. And like, I want everybody's families to be together. And I, like, I want to be like 
I want to love their family and like my mom's awesome. So it's like, I know my partner's getting like a really good end of the deal. <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely important. Um, Javier's family is amazing. And I think that's why um, it was just like, I, I felt like I wasn't breaking up only with a man. I was also breaking up with a family. Um, his mom and I still talk uh, occasionally. I've gone to to dinners with her over the years. Um, she's an amazing woman, and um, as is his sister. Although she and I aren't aren't as close, um, but yeah, I think it's hugely important. I I can't stress enough how important it is. My ex and I had a lot of um, strain put on us by, by his family. And, uh, I was very thankful to divorce. So is there any way that you Sorry, what? Is there any way like, um, to get around those tensions? Is there any way to like mitigate them? I guess. I mean, I, it's, it's every person's different. Like I, I know one of my best friends hates her mother-in-law and rightfully so. But, you know, she loves her husband and she just kind of deals with it and chooses to to not let it get to her. I mean, I'm there's people around the world that deal with that, I'm sure. Um, but I just, because of my experience, I would never want to choosingly walk into that situation again. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. like meditate and try and keep yourself calm as much as possible. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question. I have a question. So in the book, you um, at one point when you had sex with um, Ireland. Yes. Like he was just from Ireland that you named him Ireland, I guess. Um, <laughs> was it weird? It seemed a bit rapey. <laughs> it definitely seemed weird in the book. Yeah. So yeah, and I think I actually even make a comment about that, um, that it was like kind of weird rough um the point is is that like I shouldn't have even been there doing that and like knew that the whole time it was like not a good decision and gonna make me feel bad I can't say that I ever felt like oh this is maybe sketchy um because he just didn't seem like that type of person although you know I'm not here to prove yeah. about putting yourself in dangerous situations because I'm it it's never a good idea to just go to a random person's home in a foreign country. So don't follow my example in that sense. Um, but like, you know, that was my decision at the time and what I chose to do. And I wasn't going to sugarcoat it, but yeah, it was definitely, um, I mean, it wasn't great. <laughs> it was like, not like a situation that made me <laughs> feel better about myself by any means. But, um, but I never felt like physically, oh, this is, this is not a good idea. Like I knew what I was doing. I had control over, you know, the fact that I, even though I was yelling at myself in my head the whole time that I like chose to go to this place with this person. Like I, I, I knew what I was doing the whole time. So it wasn't, I didn't feel like someone was trying to take advantage of me. I felt like I was just being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So is there any way, like, um, how do you get around using those bad habits to bury emotions? Like, how do you not do that? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, and like throughout the book, I, I start to kind of like crack that 
that issue in my life. Um, and it ends up being, and this was something that like I discovered on my journey and had no idea, you know, going into it that I used sex as a way to kind of like keep people close to me so that it, I wouldn't be abandoned because I come from, you know, my genetic makeup more or less is fear of abandonment after I lost my dad and I lost my boyfriend. It like, um, that's, that's like the core of me is fear of abandonment. So my entire life I had been using sex to kind of keep people close to me, um, so that I wouldn't feel abandoned. And when I found all this out, it was like fucking mind blowing to me because I was just like, I literally have been giving up this like sacred part of myself to keep myself safe. And once I realized that, like my whole perspective on sex changed um, and it it really opened up a lot of realizations in my life to, to how I was when I was younger, um, my views on sex, um, my views on, you know, like, I, I think, sorry, this is like getting kind of deep, but a lot of the times when I was you know, in my early 20s, um, and even my mid 20s, sex was kind of like performing for my partner, it was never really like, taking my needs and wants into consideration. And so now once I had like, had this huge revelation and realized this, it kind of shifted a lot of my, my thoughts and perspectives on on sex that really had been deeply ingrained in me because of this, this fear of abandonment thing. And I think, that's why I was so open about talking like about the, the one night stand with Ireland and the other men that I meet in the book. It's because all of those decisions were me sabotaging myself and falling back on old patterns. And I had to do that in order to recognize them to get to this huge revelation that like really shifted a big thing in my life. Yeah, I think... I, f I feel like you just preached to the choir <laughs> saying that all because I feel like that was what came to when I like it took a I guess like a very positive relationship in my life to make me realize that and I always use it use it as an excuse before like I would just say that the hookups that I was taking part in or like the one night stands were me having fun whereas mm -hmm. it took like a little bit longer for me to realize it was me like literally covering up my emotions and just trying to find a different way to like feel I guess like wanted and needed and again like I have kind of that same feeling of abandonment just with my parents relationship and like past relationships in my life even friendships and I feel like I definitely used people instead of like other coping mechanisms to get around that so I feel like you just spoke to me <laughs> in a different way. That's so, I'm yeah, so glad. I think that I'm so glad that you said that because it's literally people think that the only escapism or coping mechanism are like the ones that people talk about a lot, which is, you know, like drugs, alcohol and stuff that, you know, that seems like, oh, that's bad. A lot of people don't realize that things that seem normal like oh it's fine I'm in college like it's my 20s like I can like you know go hook up and sleep around a little bit like it's fine everybody does it but people don't realize that a lot of the times that's coming from a really like not great place on the inside and it's it's hard to peel back those layers to realize that that's a thing that you want to fix and heal 
Um, so yeah, girl, I, I feel you on that one. (laughs) I think like I was the same too, like in my, um, like when I first turned 19, um, and I really started like partying and stuff and like university and whatever. Um, I think that, yeah, like it was almost, it was cool to like hook up with a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you wanted, I don't know, to be seen as like that cool person who like had all these hookups and, yeah like you like if someone was like wanting to have sex with me it was like um with like validation for myself like in kind of a fucked up way so yeah I think that that whole sex thing is definitely an issue that um probably needs to be talked about more (laughs) I feel like a lot of people just aren't aware that like it's really going on with themselves yeah like they need to have some serious (laughs) (laughs) self-talk girl (laughs) yeah unfortunately it's not like a thing that our society really opens up and talks about especially with women um and I think I think a lot of us relate to it in that way I've gotten a lot of messages um like random dms from people um about that have read the book and a lot of it's about like oh my god this really opened my eyes to a lot of issues I have not only in relationships but in like my sexual you know, habits in life. So I think it's a huge topic of discussion that's not looked at enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, is it hard talking about your exes all the time? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, it, it's, I, I, I'm like a weird situation because I went from having this, like these two huge blows, like with the cheating and the divorce and then with Javier, which unfortunately like was way worse than the divorce for me, um, to then going on this Europe trip, talking to a ton of people that I met about it, writing about it on my trip, coming home, continuing to edit and write about it and be, you know, invested in it in that literary form for a year. And then going on to, you know, um, crazy amounts of podcasts and talk shows and interviews and talking about it some more. Um, so as far as my ex-husband, um, he has just become a character in my story. Um, I'm, I was so detached from that situation. The second I, I left that relationship, um, it took a couple months, obviously while the divorce was getting finalized and we were still like getting awful emails from his lawyer and like rude things from him. Like that was a lot to deal with, like on an emotional level, because nobody wants to, you know, feel threatened in that way. Um, But after that, like he really, I'm so detached from it that it like doesn't even feel like it was a part of my life almost. I was sitting with my girlfriends on Friday. We were having a girls night And someone brought something up and I went, oh my God, can you believe I was married? And everyone was just like, no, like we don't even like, like associate him with like you anymore. It seems like it was another lifetime ago. It's crazy. Um, As far as Javier, you know, he's been, you know, still in and out of my life um, over the past two years. So he doesn't feel as much of um, as much removed as my ex-husband does. And there's times that it's it's weird talking about him, um, depending on like where he's at um, in my life at the moment. Um, we uh, the when I recorded the audiobook for this, it was during like a very pivotal time uh, in my life that I had kind of you know gone through some interesting things um, 
regarding him. And uh, it's definitely eye-opening when you go back and read your words from two years ago and you're like, oh my God, some of this shit is exactly the same. And it really is, I guess like the short answer to that is it's, it's weird at times. Um, but you know, it's all a part of my story. And because of him, like I have this book that's reaching women around the world and I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, and he taught me huge lessons in my life and was the catalyst to me going to do a lot of self-healing. Um, so I will always be grateful to him for that and thankful for, for the situation. That's good. <laughs> I know you're like, great. that's great. Um, okay. So, <laughs> um, okay. So I want you to explain something to you. So in the book, you have this like thought process um, and it's the thought onion and I literally cannot wrap my head around it. Can you please explain it? Yeah. Okay. So the thought onion is my technique for looking at your thoughts that you have and figuring out what's underneath them. Um, so when you initially have a reaction to something, that's what I call the superficial thought. So it's like the second your brain, you know, here's a comment that it's hurt by that thought that you have that initial reaction is your superficial thought because it's like very reactionary so when you peel that back because it's the thought onion so we think of it like an onion when you peel that back underneath that is the authentic layer so that's like when you take five minutes and you're like okay why did i just have that reaction like let's calm down a little bit what what triggered me to have that reaction that's the authentic layer. So it's like a little bit deeper um, than the initial superficial thought. And then you peel that back and underneath the authentic thought is the subconscious thought. And that's like what's at the root of it. So when you can really get quiet with yourself and be like, okay, why did I have such a reaction to this? Like what, what prompts that authentic thought? Where does that authentic thought come from? Um, that's when you really are like, oh, that's the the belief that's underneath all of it that's driving it. Um, and that's the layer that when you get to that, you can really start to heal and make different choices and adjust yourself so you don't have those uh, initial superficial and authentic thoughts, you know, when when situations arise. Um, and it's just kind of my way to to look at something or a situation that's happening and deconstruct it and dissect it for yourself so that you can figure out why you're working the way that you are. Um, and that's, it's really as simple as like, you know, like if you're looking at the whole sex thing that we were talking about and saying, okay, I, I choose to have sex, um, with men that don't care about me. And you're like, okay, well, why do I do that? So the authentic layer to that would be, well, I need to feel wanted and validated. And then you're like, okay, well, why do I need to feel wanted or validated? So under that would be, well, I have a fear of abandonment. So that's kind of like the layer process of how you can look at something in your life. It doesn't have to be a thought. It can be like a thing. Um, and you figure out where it stems from so that you can eventually try and change that. I think that is so clever. <laughs> Very useful. Very like that is. 
<laughs> um, okay, so that is all the questions I have for you. I'm thankful that I understand the thought on you now, and I think I will put it into my, like, real life. Yeah, I definitely want to try and apply that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do an exercise. It's a really thought on you. Way um, okay, so check yourself a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, like, check in with yourself, yeah. for sure. Um, okay, so we have some, like, random rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? I am. I'm just going to warn you that I'm very bad at these, but, like, let's try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cake or pie? Oh, cake. What kind? Oh, God, I wasn't ready for the follow-up. Um, vanilla. (laughs) Vanilla, but, like, with, like, the, yeah, some type of vanilla. Thick vanilla. (laughs) A good vanilla cake. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather not be able to cut your toenails or your fingernails? Wait, what? Say that again? <laughs> would you rather not be able to cut your toenails or your fingernails? Oh, gross. Um... <laughs> oh, God. I guess my thing... I-, I would rather not cut my toenails because if your fingernails get too long like you can't like you know take the credit card out of the parking meter and it's just like you can't function so I guess I would rather not cut my toenails (laughs) okay fair (laughs) um do you think kissing with eyes open is weird yes I don't think that should ever be done and I judge anybody that does it not okay (laughs) I was I was talking to Margaret before and I was just saying how like when you're kissing somebody and you quickly open your eyes to see if their eyes are open and their eyes are actually open and it's the most uncomfortable moment in that entire process yeah it's so not okay and like if I ever am like watching reality tv and I see someone doing it I just I don't understand like how people ever get that habit it's wrong it's unnatural stop it (laughs) um Oh, have you ever been to Canada? I have. Uh, I've been to Toronto. Okay, that's on the other side of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, fuck, Mary kill, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Quentin. Wait, Ryan what? Who's the last one? Ryan Quentin. Quentin? He's in like True Blood. Okay, I don't know who that is, so I'm going to kill him. By default, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I would probably. Oh, that's hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably fuck Ryan Gosling and marry Ryan Reynolds because Ryan Reynolds is really funny. <laughs> ah, good. Hey, yes, he's also Canadian with so. some humor. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, and last. <laughs> What is your Starbucks order? Um, a matcha latte with coconut milk. I'm obsessed. Oh, oh god, so good. <laughs> I actually did better at that than I thought. Um, okay, I've so before, and I'm usually like, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so where can our listeners buy your book, and where can they find you on socials? So the book is exclusively on Amazon in paperback and ebook. It's also on audiobook now, so that you can get on Amazon or Audible, iTunes, wherever audiobooks are 
sold. Um, but the book itself is on is on Amazon. And then I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Gabrielle Stone. And the book is at Eat, Pray, FML. And if anybody checks out the book, like, please DM me. Let me know what you think. If you post stuff, I'll repost it. Like, I love hearing from people that are that are reading. Um, and I get people every day, like, that start liking all my Europe photos. So a lot of people that get the paperback, um, they'll be reading. And then they'll go to my Instagram to see the pictures that I'm talking about because they're all still there, although you have to scroll down quite a ways. Um, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. I love it. Um, so yeah, um, I love hearing from people. So I always read my DMs about it. All right. Thank you so much for being on this episode. It was so much fun. It was so I much loved fun. hearing about actually the book itself, not just having to read it. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> Yay. I love it. Well, thank you for reading. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And thank you guys for having me on. Of course. And you know where to find us, Getting Melfi listeners, at Getting Melfi Podcast on Instagram. And listen to any and all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, all the regular platforms. Um, We'll catch you next week. And yeah, have a good one. Have a good one, guys. Bye.